Welcome to the In the Scriptures podcast. The following Bible lesson was previously recorded. All right, we have been over the last uh, little while looking at the work of the church. And uh, we're going to get back to that. I, of course, missed out last week being uh, visiting in a way. And uh, I know Chris did an excellent job. We got to be here Sunday night and hear kind of the, the study side of all of that. And uh, he did a really good job with that. And I know he did a good job with the sermons. So um, enjoy visiting at Market Street. For those who maybe don't know here, my uh, grandparents on my mother's side uh, have called that their home congregation for many, many years. My grandmother passed away uh, not too, too long ago and uh, meant a lot for my grandfather for me to get to go and, and speak there. And uh, my mom and dad were able to come and grandmother from my dad's side as well. So we enjoyed our time there, but uh, obviously glad to be back here today too. Today's lesson is a little bit hard for me and at the same time very easy for me. Uh, because as we've looked at the works of the church, we've talked about the work of the church in assembling together, observing the Lord's Supper, singing praise to God and edifying one another in song. We've talked about praying with one another and for one another. And today we come to preaching and teaching God's Word. So I've got to give a lesson about the preacher. Not the easiest of things to do in some ways, and yet in others, it's, it's very easy to do. So what I'm going to first say is you've got to hold me accountable. And especially this evening when we come together to discuss this, I would uh, challenge you to, to hold me accountable, hold me to the carpet, whatever you've got to do to make sure that we cover the things that uh, we find in the Scriptures that are the work of the preacher especially in preaching and teaching the Word of God. But it's, it's not just the work of the preacher. It's the work of the church. And so that's a very important thing for us to remember and to emphasize in this. I don't want to overly hang up on the preacher, although it's necessary to talk about that as we look at this topic in particular. Maybe hold your place there if you're still in 2 Timothy, because we're going to come back to that text in a moment. But I, I want to begin, actually... In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and at the end of this writing by by Solomon, this wisdom that he gives to us, as he's gone through this journey of looking at all the different areas of life and what's important, what matters, why it matters, etc., etc., he comes to the end of it and he gives this great conclusion. And we often read verses 13 and 14 when he says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Such a great admonition, such a great encouragement, exhortation, such a great conclusion to what he's saying here. But just prior to that, in verses 9 through 12, he talks about the preaching of God's Word. And he says this, beginning in verse 9. He says, And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yes, he pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find acceptable words, and what was written was upright words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. And further, my son, be admonished by these. Of making of many books, there is no end. 
and much study is wearisome to the flesh. And then he gives that great conclusion. I want to draw just some real quick points from what he says here as he, per he personifies the preacher. But he's really talking about the preaching and teaching of God's Word. It, it, it's it's going to take a personal standpoint for a lot of different people. It's going to take that place for an evangelist among a local group of people, but it's going to take that uh, form in an elder as he shepherds the flock of God and is to be, as one of his qualifications, able to teach, as we read in 1 Timothy 3. It's going to be that way as, as brothers and sisters talk with their neighbors and friends and family members, even around a kitchen table, and try to find the right words to lead that person toward their next step of faith. But he personifies it here in, in verse 9 and says, The preacher was wise. Preaching and teaching God's Word requires a certain level of wisdom. And wisdom is the ability to take knowledge and apply it practically. If we're going to make it a real simple definition, that's what that is. It's the ability to take knowledge and apply it practically. How do I practice this? And in many cases in the New Testament, when we read especially the writings of Paul, that's what Paul's doing in his writing. He's preaching. He is taking the, the wisdom and the knowledge of God, and he is showing us how to apply it, and how to practice it, how to live it. And so the preacher was wise. If we're going to be those who assist and help and serve in one way or another in preaching and teaching God's Word, then this idea of a godly wisdom is very important. That yes, we have the knowledge of the Word of God, but that we're seeking to help people apply it practically. Okay? There were times, especially in the Old Testament, when men stood before God's people and just simply read the law. And in, in simply reading the law out loud, there's the ability to learn and there's the ability to walk away from that and to practice those things. I mean, for, for one thing, when you read the law, so much of it is do this and don't do that. It's very direct in that way. But when you come to the New Testament, I'll, I'll use the teachings of Jesus because Jesus often would say, you have heard that it was said to those of old, and he would give the command. You know, here's the command. And then he would say, but I say to you, and he would teach about that further than the command. You know, for instance, he says that the command is do not commit adultery. But then the teaching that he gave was we shouldn't even look in order to lust. Because adultery begins where? In the heart, in the mind. And so he taught it further than just that simple command. And you see in that, that use of a godly wisdom... They can take the knowledge and apply it further. And the preaching and teaching of God's Word, when done at its best, I truly believe, as we see here in the Scriptures, that's what it's about. It's taking the knowledge that God has given us and applying it in a practical way. He also says there in verse 9 that He taught the people knowledge. you still got to learn it. So, you know, what, what a preacher knows... 
as far as just book, chapter, verse, and scripture, you've got to teach that. And so often we might even make efforts in our Bible class settings and things like that, especially maybe with our younger ones, for them to actually put to memory certain things, to remember the Scriptures. And we'll take time to go through just a textual study and just read and and dwell on the text to bring that knowledge into it. So there's a knowledge burden that is there, and it never goes away. Many years ago, I was in a meeting with elders and deacons at Mount Zion, and I had kind of gotten to the point of like scratching my head and thinking about reaching the young people and wondering, well, is there something different I need to do? And one of the deacons real wisely said, just start all over. And, and what he meant was, is I'd been there for a few years, and he said, well, just start all over. You know, th- these kids, you kind of got a new group now. Just start all over. It's okay. Go back and start all over. Just start regurgitating what you've already done. It's all applicable now. And I, I, and it was kind of an aha moment to me because it was like, you know what? Yeah, I kind of start thinking in my mind, I got to come up with something new. No, it's not about coming up with something new. It's about just continuing to present the truth and to do it over and over and over again to build that knowledge so that we can all have that knowledge together. He also says in verse 9, He pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. It takes some work to find the words, to bring the knowledge out in such a way that we can understand it and that we can apply it. Not everybody's going to have that ability. Not everybody's expected. Even going back to some of our original texts as we started this series in Ephesians chapter 4, it says He gave some to be, and then He gives this list. Apostles, prophets, teachers, etc. Not all are going to have those same gifts. We have different abilities in that way. In verse 10, the preacher sought to find acceptable words. The right words, you might say. And what was written was upright words of truth. That doesn't mean acceptable words, and we're going to talk about this when we look at 2 Timothy 4. It doesn't mean like just whatever everybody wants to hear. No, it's the right words, the right way to say it. To say the truth. And then finally on this, I want us to notice verse 11. When he gives this reminder that the words of the wise are like goads. A goad, I, I tell you what I think of when I think of a goad. I think of an electric cattle prod. Y'all ever seen one of those? Or PETA or somebody get after us, wouldn't they? But, you, you know, an electric cattle prod, you, you can hear it sometimes, right? You stick it to that cow, and zzz, you know, you hear that pop. And that cow moves. You know, sometimes it could just be a stick, and you poke them, and they move, Right? And so the Word of God should be like that to us. Words of truth should be like that to us. That it pokes us in what? We move, you know? We do something. We make changes. We make adjustments. We get active. That really should be the case. And like well-driven nails. You ever been trying to take something apart with a hammer and come into a well-driven nail? Man, you know, sometimes if you're not careful, you'll tear up everything around it and the nail's still there, you know. Every piece of wood splinters and breaks and 
the nail's still there. So, so the word of God, words of truth, rightly taught, rightly proclaimed, rightly applied, should be like well-driven nails. They don't go anywhere. They don't go anywhere. And so no matter where we go, we remember. They're, they're staples in who we are, in our mind, in our knowledge. And so as those who preach and teach God's Word, if we're not well-driving nails, then we need to check ourselves. And then at the end of verse 11, he says, given by one shepherd. Preaching and teaching God's Word is never about taking credit. It's always about giving credit. To the one shepherd. It is God's word. It is Jesus as Lord and King. And the one shepherd. Far too many men in all likelihood and women for that regard too. It would seem have set out to have a following. Of their own words. Of their own teaching. Of their own writings. Instead of trying to get everyone to follow Him. So the preaching and teaching of God's Word is never about taking credit. So don't let me do it. Y'all hold me accountable. And we should hold any preacher and teacher of God's Word accountable. It's always about giving credit to the one shepherd, to the source of all of this wisdom. Well, let's go to the New Testament. I want to remind you that in Acts chapter 20, we've looked at this text a number of times because we're talking about what the church is to do. And I just want to emphasize that, that we have this example in a number of places, but one of those places is in Acts chapter 20, a great example of the New Testament Christians coming together on the first day of the week. And in this case, they partook of the Lord's Supper together. And as we read in verse 7, Paul, ready to depart the next day, but he's there on this first day of the week, he spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. He was preaching to them, teaching them there on the first day of the week. They did that in the assembly together. Great New Testament example of that. We also see it in a number of other places. But in 2 Timothy chapter 4, you know, that's what was going on when Paul was doing his mission work. But in 2 Timothy 4, by the time we come to this point, it would seem, by all indications, that this is Paul's last writing. I want you to think about that for a second. Of all the things that Paul wrote, the indications are that 2 Timothy is his last letter that he wrote. And he's writing to a young preacher, Timothy, probably in his 30s, that he's in many ways kind of leaving behind to the work that Paul has established and put in place. Especially in Ephesus, but in, you know, kind of it seems that Timothy had some influence beyond that even because of the associations with Paul's companions and so forth. And he is giving certain commands and charges and encouragements to Timothy. And it really seems, if you kind of read between the lines in Paul's letters to Timothy, it seems that Timothy was in all likelihood kind of a timid guy. That he didn't really like being the center of attention. He didn't maybe have the same confidence or the same gusto that Paul apparently did. 
And even Paul had talked about how he didn't come with fancy words or things like that. But Paul, remember before he was Saul of Tarsus, who was going about setting to, you know, persecute Christians, he had some gusto about him. Some have seemed to paint Paul as frail and maybe blind and, you know, all the... I don't really like to see Paul that way. It seemed that Paul had some really get up and go and gusto about him. And even as was pointed out this morning, he didn't have a wife, and so he was very dedicated to this work of preaching and teaching and traveling and going to all these places. But Timothy seems to be a little different character. And you can kind of see that in what Paul writes to him, and maybe especially even here in 2 Timothy 4, in this latter part of this letter, when he is going to talk to Timothy about what it really takes to be a preacher of God's Word. Now, Timothy's already been doing it. It's not like he's just getting ready to do it. Timothy's already been doing it. But he's going to tell him what it takes. And now I want you to notice the, the key phrases in all this. There's at least nine, maybe more, statements that Paul is going to make to Timothy that this is what you do. In verse 1, 2 Timothy 4, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing in kingdom. Preach the word. Notice he says, I charge you, I command you. This is not, you know, hey, you might want to think about doing this. I kind of think about this sometimes when maybe we would say to ourselves among one another, you know, wouldn't it be great if there were more preachers? And in that moment, I just would wonder if Paul was among us, if he might walk over here and grab somebody and be like, hey, come on, you're going to do it. <laughs> you know? I charge you. You've got the ability. You can do this. Do it. Preach the word. You know, that right there says a lot, doesn't it? Not preach your opinions. You know, it seems like a lot of people have made a living and made a life and made a following out of preaching from first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth opinions. That's a joke. There's, there's, don't go looking for it. Don't thumb through your Bible. And the list go. I mean, they keep writing opinion books, don't they? No, preach the word. Preach the Word. He doesn't stop there in verse 2. Be ready. Be ready. He says, be ready in season and out of season. When it's expected, when it's not expected. When it's convenient, when it's not convenient. I don't know exactly what Paul meant by that, but I get the idea, don't you? In season and out of season. In other words, be ready all the time. Be ready all the time. That's the job of a preacher and teacher of God's Word. Be ready. See the opportunities and be ready to preach the Word. Convince. Now, that's, that's, that's a loaded word there, isn't it? Convince. There is plenty of evidence to use in order to convince someone of the truth of God's Word, of who God is, of who Jesus is, of why they need to listen to the Gospel, of what the church is to be, of what they are to do. 
No matter where they're at in their station and situation in life, that there's plenty there to take it and preach the word and convince someone of what they need to do. Somebody's got to do it. He also says rebuke, which is to correct, to even chastise, to point out what is wrong. That's tough. Nobody likes to do that much. But we all understand the need for that, and especially those of you who have been parents. You know? I mean, what kind of parent would you be if your child was doing something wrong and and you just stuck your hands in your pocket and twiddled your fingers and whistled and waited for somebody else to fix it? You know? Everybody else would be looking around being like, come on, parent, right? Come on, mom. Come on, dad. Say something. Maybe you found yourself in a situation like that. You ever been in a restaurant or in a public place and you're kind of looking over and say, man, some people's kids, you know, and you're kind of thinking, come on, mom, come on, dad, do something. To which they might want to say, hey, you know, look at your own. You don't have to be careful about those things, but I just say that point to say, we know there are times in which correction, rebuke, and chastisement is needed. Somebody's got to say something. And Paul's saying to Timothy, Timothy, you do it. When there's a time to say something, you say something. Even in rebuke. Convince, rebuke, exhort, encourage. All of us need encouragement. Preachers included. All of us need encouragement. Don't neglect that. You know, sometimes as a preacher or teacher of God's Word, we might get too caught up on the don'ts, you know, and not spend any time on the do's and the good and the encouraging things. And so essentially, Paul, when he gets to this point, is, is showing Timothy a balance. Yes, there's convincing to do, and yes, there's rebuking to do, but there's also exhorting to do. You can't leave it out. You've got to be an encourager. I think about Barnabas when I think about this. Can't you imagine that Barnabas had to have been an exhorting type preacher? He had to be, right? He was called son of encouragement. So he had that ability to exhort and encourage. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering or with patience. You know, sometimes we, we get impatient with one another. Maybe, especially when we're trying to teach something. You know, you think about it with, with teachers or even as parents. If you're trying to share how to do something with someone or you're trying to show somebody how to do a trade. You know, there's a, it's a really special thing when an adult can work with a young person with the kind of patience to allow them to be involved in something that they have no idea how to do that the adult has done umpteen times and can do it perfectly, but to turn loose of those reins to teach a younger person how to do something. My grandfathers, both of them, were really good at that. Grandfather Taylor's passed away. My grand, granddaddy Sutton still lives, and he still would love to be doing more with his own hands, but he also loves to have his grandsons especially alongside him so he can show them how. How to do plumbing. How to do gardening. 
how to do carpentry work. Now those are things that it takes patience to show an unskilled person, an ignorant person how to do it. You know, teaching God's Word is that way sometimes. We're all at different places and different levels of knowledge and it's difficult sometimes as, as a preacher and teacher of God's Word to remember that and to have the patience to understand that not everybody understands everything you do. Not everybody understands what the person next to them understands. And so we've got to work as preachers and teachers of God's Word to reach everyone. That takes patience. Patience. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Doctrine. It is, there's, there's lessons to be learned. When I think about it in this term of a doctrinal teaching, it very much is like school. You know, what do you do at school? You, you learn for four days out of the week and you're tested on the fifth day. You, know, you learn for all of a semester and then you have a semester, of, a semester test. You learn for a whole year in a certain grade level, and then you pass in order to go to the next grade level. And it would help us, I think, in many cases within the Lord's church to remember those things that we know, just like we're seeing here, and understand that God's Word is much the same. That we have to give the kind of attention to it with our little ones, and our elementary ones, and our junior high ones, and our high school ones, and with our adults in order to give them the teaching and the lessons, the study, so that they're constantly growing, progressing, improving. It is a work of teaching. Some of the greatest Bible teachers, is it any coincidence that they've also been school teachers? I don't know how many times I've heard from brethren through the years that, well, my, my best Sunday school teacher was Mrs. So-and-so. And then come to find out what? She was also what? A school teacher. And same thing with even some of the, the greatest preachers. There have been many of them that have also on some level been teachers with schools. We need to remember that it is a work of teaching that is to be done. Paul goes on in these verses to give a warning to Timothy. And we will do well to heed this warning too. He says, beginning in verse 3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Several key things to be sure we grasp about this. One is Paul uses a very broad statement and yet a pointed statement. He says, they will not endure sound doctrine. That's a broad term, but a very pointed one. Who's he talking about? He's just talking about all of your listeners, Timothy. That would include Christians. That would include the lost that you're going to go out and try to preach to in the streets and everywhere else. 
I mean, really, it's, it's, a, it's a broad but narrow, it's all in one. They, in other words, no one, <laughs> in a sense, they won't endure sound doctrine. And especially the ones who are wanting to listen, it seems, to something that has to do with spiritual things. So many times we get caught up in wanting to hear something new. Well, hearing what's from God is not about what's hear, hearing what's new. <laughs> it's actually extremely old. We're just trying to constantly better learn it and apply it. So they will not endure sound doctrine, true teaching. But according to their own desires, and this is something we've got to all quelch within us, we don't come to hear the Word of God out of our own desires. That's the wrong way to think about it. We come desiring to hear God's Word. Okay, do you catch that? That's, I don't know if I worded that real well. But in other words, I, don't, I shouldn't be thinking to myself, well, I, I need to know more about God. Well, that's true. But if it's all about I need to know, then guess what you're going to go and find out? You're going to go and find out whatever I think I need to find out. That's what you'll find out. And that's it. No, it's not that. It's... I must hear God's Word. That's it. It's not that i got to go... You know, if we... Let me, let me put, think about it this way. If I just said, you know, from my circumstance, okay, in life, that, well, I'm having a hard time in my workplace. I need to go hear some teaching about how to deal with people in the workplace. Well, is that all I need to hear about? No. Is that important? Sure. But you see, if we approach God's Word like we would a buffet line, I mean, you know, if, we, if all of us could walk out of here and walk right to a buffet line, would we all pick the same food? I mean, probably not, right? Some of you don't like this, and some of you don't like that, and I don't like this, and, you know. I'll give you an example. Some of y'all would love a fresh-cut, raw Vidalia onion. It'd just be like the best thing on your plate on a summer day. And I'd be like, yuck. Gross. I don't even want to sit next to you while you crunch that. Now, apply that to how we approach God's Word. Far too many people come to God's Word looking for exactly what fits their taste. No. No, I come to God's Word just because I'm hungry. I come to God's Word willing to take whatever is there, anything that's there, all of it. It's not about seeking to itch my own ears. It's not about seeking to appease my own desires or interests. No, it's, it's important because it's God's Word, no matter what part it is. It's important because it's God's Word. The preacher is important in what he is saying, not because he's eloquent, not because he can put it all well or whatever, not because he's interesting or has good jokes. Or No, no. the preacher is important because he is relaying God's Word. That's the only reason he's important. Because what happens when 
It becomes about our desires and about itching our own ears. He says at the end of verse 3, they will heap up for themselves teachers. In other words, now the teacher will mold themselves to be whatever the people want. So no more onions. We, just won't, we, won't, we won't eat onions. And so there might be a, a church where we don't talk about whatever. We don't talk about baptism. We don't talk about sin. We don't talk about adultery. We don't talk about marriage. We don't talk about you name it. You, the list could go on and on. We, we just don't talk about that because that doesn't suit our taste. And if the teacher teaches on that, if the preacher preaches on that, we're going to flog him. Now, unfortunately, in, in the history of man, stuff like that happens, right? And has happened. And Paul says it's going to always happen if, as things go. The job of the preacher is not to succumb to those things. And in this heaping up for themselves... Teachers, what happens? They turn their ears away from the truth. It's not about the truth anymore. And instead now it's about fables. Because fables are fun. Fables are interesting. Fables taste good. And then notice in verse 5, he gives this final little exhortation to Timothy in this context here when he says, You be watchful in all things, endure afflictions... Do the work of an evangelist fulfill your ministry? Now, there's, that's a mouthful right there. Be watchful in all things. Was it President Bush or somebody that had a shoe thrown at him one time in a press conference? Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, sometimes as a preacher, you kind of have to be like that situation. Like, you got to keep your eyes on everybody because somebody might throw something at you. And that's kind of a real-life example of what Paul's saying. And, it, you know, a lot of times it's not really about somebody throwing something at you, but you have to be attentive or you, you're, gonna just, you're not going to be able to do your job. For instance, is it, is it really going to be a good idea for a preacher just to be completely a hermit in solitude, away from everybody? No, is he going to effectively be able to reach the people, teach the people, without knowing what else is going on among the people? No. Should a preacher be aware of whatever is the, the taste of the town, so to speak, whatever's going on in such a way that would be of interest to the people to know what God's Word says about it? The false teachings that are prevalent, etc., etc. Well, sure. Be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Are there going to be afflictions when you're a preacher and teacher of God's Word? Sure. There are going to be some things that are tough. Some have compared it to living in a fishbowl kind of thing. Well, yeah, I guess that does happen to some degree. That happens with the elders of the Lord's church many times. Active deacons will have the same experience. Hey, but you know what? As active Christians, we will all have the same experience. Because wherever we go, people will come to realize they're different. They're a Christian. They have morals. They have standards. They have beliefs. They have faith. They don't live like everybody else. They don't talk like everybody else. They don't do what everybody else does. And so we must endure the afflictions that come with those things. Do the work of an evangelist. That's the proclamation side of it. 
You know, you got to be in the pulpit to be preaching from the pulpit, right? You got to do it. You got to be present. Be there. Do the work of an evangelist. Don't be afraid to proclaim it, to speak it. Whenever you have the opportunity, wherever you have the opportunity, fulfill your ministry. This is a ministry. This is a work, a ministry, a service to others. You got to do it. You know, there's so much more that could be, you know, said about all of this. But I just want to throw these up there. Sorry, I went too fast for myself. Ultimately, being a preacher and teacher of God's Word continues the Great Commission. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach. Go into all the world, make disciples. Go into all the world, teaching them to observe all these things that I've commanded. So this going into all the world to do this preaching of the gospel, this making of disciples, this teaching folks to observe all things that we've been commanded, we're doing that still today in the preaching and teaching of God's Word. We're continuing the Great Commission. It also is a sharing of good news. You know, that, that might be a beneficial way of looking at it. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're preaching the gospel, which means good news, good, good tidings. It's a sharing of that good news. And Romans chapter 10 talks about how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Well, somebody's got to bring it. That means somebody's got to do it. It's a sharing of that good news. You know, sometimes maybe we might all let our our hesitancies down and be put to the side about talking to others about the Bible and about our faith if we really implanted in our mind that it is sharing good news. We like to share good news. If I, if I, if I knew that th- this certain gas station right down here you know, just dropped their price by 25 cents, you'd want to know that good news, wouldn't you? And, and would there be any hesitancy on my part to, you know, I mean, maybe if, if I thought I needed to get down there first and fill my tank. But if I had already filled my tank, there, wouldn't, there shouldn't be any hesitancy on my part to say, hey, this place down here is 25 cents cheaper than everywhere else. We share stuff like that all the time, don't we? Because we have ingrained it in our mind as good news. I don't know what the devil has done, but I think the devil has done a work in this world to somehow make Christians think that sharing the gospel and sharing the word of God and sharing things about our faith is bad. Shame on us. Because it's good news. I can't emphasize enough that doing this work of preaching and teaching God's Word, it's to be teaching the truth. In John 14 and verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In John 8, He says, Abide in My Word, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. In Ephesians chapter 4, we're told there that, that we're to speak the truth in love. Preaching and teaching God's Word is I'm going to say this carefully because that's what I do. Can you agree with me that preaching and teaching God's Word 
is both one of the greatest blessings and also one of the greatest responsibilities that a person can have in this life. Paul said, Woe am I if I don't proclaim the gospel. But it's not just about the preacher, because this is the work of the church. As I mentioned before, elders, one of their qualifications is to be able to teach. Women, older women are to teach the younger women. And so our preaching and teaching of God's Word, it permeates among all of us in the Lord's church. It's to be a part of what we do. It guides everything else that we do. So a couple of practical things that I want to ask of you today. Can we all make a better effort to put our own desires and our own kind of itches aside and better approach the Word of God with a hunger and a thirst just because it's the Word of God? Just because it's the Word of God. And secondly... Can we all better open up to the wiles of the devil and how he's made us think that talking about our faith is a bad thing and say, forget that, because it's good news. It's good news. And every opportunity that we can share it with others, we can all be preachers in that way, teachers of good things. And we'll be helping the leadership of the Lord's church and we'll be helping our brothers and sisters. We'll be helping the kingdom of God by sharing the good news. Well, this hasn't really been a lesson to try to bring someone to Christ, but I I want to give you the opportunity. We're going to give you the opportunity as we sing a song in a moment to give your life to Christ. That's what this is all about. To call Him Lord, to recognize God as God, to obey His word. Jesus said, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. In, that, in Mark's rendition of the Great Commission, in Mark 16, 15 and 16. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Do you believe today? Will you be baptized? If so, you can be saved. If you are a Christian and you realize today that, man, this is just not, I'm not where I need to be. For whatever reason, we're to confess our faults one to another and pray for one another to be forgiven. And so we'll give you that opportunity now. We'd love to pray with you, pray for you, and let you be reconciled to your brothers and sisters in Christ and to God, most importantly, before you leave here today. If there's something we can do to help, won't you come while we stand and sing?